Cyber 24 is presented by our friends at Valcom. Valcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and services provider with a drive for getting IT right. From ironclad security to computing and beyond, Valcom's 35-plus years means they have the experience and the expertise to help your business from desktop to the data center. Check them out at vlcm.com. All right, and welcome to the Cyber24 Podcast, the weekly pod dedicated to helping business and governmental leaders better understand the often intimidating topic of cybersecurity so you can make better decisions to keep your organization safe. My name is Marty Carpenter, and today our guest is Carl Sigler. He is a senior security research manager at Trustwave Spider Labs, responsible for research and analysis of current vulnerabilities, malware, and threat trends. We're going to talk about HTML malware, and we're going to get kind of a little bit of a deep dive on this one. Uh, We're going to talk about social engineering and how that plays into all kinds of phishing attempts, but also something called HTML smuggling, something that hackers are using to kind of get around the barriers in place. And we're going to talk about his predictions for how this particular phishing method will develop into the future. Great conversation with Carl Sigler of Trustwave Spider Labs. I hope you enjoy. I think all of the uh, cybersecurity units, uh, especially in the research side and the pen testing side, always tend to give themselves uh, comic book names. Um, it's kind of a given in the industry. Um, I came to Trustwave about 10 years ago. Uh, coming from IBM. I've been working in information security going back to the uh, mid-90s, so um, uh, over 20 years now. It's um, been a really interesting time. Uh, We've seen a lot of changes, and yet we often end up giving out the exact same advice we've always given out. Um, So as much as things change, a lot of times they stay the same. Uh, At at Trustwave, uh, we are primarily a managed uh, services provider. So we provide managed security services uh, as much or as little as an organization needs. Um, I know a lot of times IT ends up with the brunt of security um, responsibilities in an organization. A lot of times um, organizations don't have the budget or the time or the resources to ramp up their own security department. Uh, So we try to take that load off of organizations and provide the expertise for them. Uh, My primary job is doing the uh, trend research, like you said. Um, My team is specifically responsible for uh, editing all of the blog posts you see on our Spider Labs blog. Um, We are also responsible for our responsible disclosure program. So whenever our pen testers find some uh, vulnerability in a piece of software, we actually work with the vendor to make sure a patch gets put into place before the bad guys find those vulnerabilities. Uh, And then my team also works a lot on the uh, uh, network security side, monitoring uh, what's going on in the wire, specifically for exploits, malware, C2, things like that. Yeah. So one of the things we're going to talk about today is HTML malware. And from what I understand, you're the expert here, not me, and our audience is primarily, you know, it's, it's primarily business and government leaders who maybe their eyes glaze over a bit when they generally have to get into cybersecurity type things. But you know, the research, as I understand it, shows that the combination of HTML and .htm files are like the second most spammed file attachment, followed by like exe files. Can you maybe walk us through what I just said and <laughs> why and why that is? Sure. So um, we see we we monitor phishing campaigns um, as one of our primary jobs. We have a dedicated team that does nothing but email-based threats and, and security. Uh, So we're constantly monitoring these different phishing campaigns. Uh, And this specific piece talks about the popularity of HTML or 
the extension could also be HTM, but HTML formatted attachments. Um, and that's becoming a lot more popular than it has been in the past. Uh, we see the trends sort of go up and down. Um, like you say, it's the uh, second most attached file to the phishing emails that we monitor um, just before .exe, which is still extremely popular. Although I think that hopefully most users, when they see a .exe land in their inbox and they're not expecting it, don't click on it. Um, However, we see that a lot of users, when they get an HTML attachment to an email, especially if the email is crafted in a uh, enticing way, uh, it has a lot of success of getting the, the the victim to open up that HTML attachment in their inbox. Uh, so the piece basically covers that um, the, that trend that we're seeing that's um, definitely been escalating recently, and sort of the reasons why we are seeing that trend. One of the terms used in the research is HTML smuggling. Can you explain to us what that is and how it's used in spam phishing campaigns? Sure. So one of the problems that threat actors uh, have to overcome in order to get malware on a victim system is, is bypassing all the security controls that we good guys put in place, right? Um, so antivirus protections, um, secure email gateways uh, that you can put in front of your mail server to get rid of all of this uh, phishing email. Um, so the fishers need to find a way around that. Um, if you just take a piece of banking malware or ransomware and you put it as an attachment to an email and you send it to your uh, victim, chances are it's going to get ripped out of the email or the email completely deleted before it even gets to the victim's inbox. So they're always looking for ways to obscure the malware that they're trying to get on the victim system. And HTML smuggling is one of the ways that they do that. Uh, so Specifically, what they would do is send an HTML file that is relatively legitimate. It really can't be inspected uh, properly by antivirus uh, software. The end user gets enticed to open up that HTML attachment, but then JavaScript in the HTML attachment starts downloading malware chunks at a time. So uh, as it's downloading, let's say, a piece of ransomware, chunk one, chunk two, chunk three, none of those chunks that it's downloading are large enough or indicative of the malware enough to actually trigger antivirus. So the HTML file is literally sort of smuggling the malware content into that victim system, bypassing all of the uh, security controls that you might have in place uh, to get the malware executed on that box. Yeah. Uh, it, there's such a human element to this. And it, you know, it sounds like in part you're there's a little bit of like a techno drug mule here to smuggle something in, uh, <laughs> but also you know social engineering plays such such a, a role in uh, in all types of cyber crime uh, activity. Um, what does social engineering paired with HTML file attachments uh, often lead to, or how does it often lead to successful cyber attacks? Um, it's pretty much all phishing, not just HTML. We're, we're seeing a trend with HTML because we're always seeing shifting trends as they adapt in the in the cat and mouse game that is information security um, to, to new techniques that we might not spot. Um, but it's really all phishing attacks. Um, we see that over 95% of all initial compromises occur due to a phishing attack right off the bat. Um, so all the compromises and breaches that you generally see mentioned in the news, most of them, over 95% of them, started initially by somebody opening up a phishing email that they shouldn't have opened up. Uh, and the reason that it's so successful for these, these criminals and threat actors out there is that you can apply patches to an operating system. You can apply patches to your software. Humans are hard to patch. Um, so 
criminals will go after that human element every single time uh, it, because they have a good success rate with it. And there's nothing new here, right? I mean, uh, attacking uh, the human element has been a feature of scams and theft going back to probably to the earliest days of mankind. Um, you know, we we as humans have very specific things that can be taken advantage of, whether it's um, a sense of urgency where we feel we have to address something immediately. You know, we, we found out that our we heard from somebody that our house is on fire. We have to run back and, and see what that's about and try to do some damage control there or the human nature of wanting to help somebody. If somebody comes to you and says, hey, I, I very dearly need you to help me out with this. It's very hard for a human to say no, despite red flags that are popping up in front of them. Uh, so social engineering has always been a factor when it comes to scams. Um, it will continue to be a factor. Actor, and it's one of the main obstacles that a lot of security professionals um, encounter when they're trying to implement security in their home organizations. I guess the good news to take from that is that ninety-five percent of the people are who are falling for these things are doing it out of the goodness of their heart, generally, or just sort of <laughs> natural human reaction. So, I guess if we have to take comfort in something, a, a high number like ninety-five percent is is tough, but at least it's because they're generally good people or you know, maybe not the most uh, savvy, but but good people overall. And you know, and there's there's not not to totally bust that balloon, but um, <laughs> I'm trying the, here, Carl. Yeah, come on. <laughs> one of the other elements that they uh, will often uh, uh, follow and trigger is um, greed. You know, greed is another uh, human factor. If you're promised um, a free twenty five dollar gift card to Amazon, hey, that might be enough to convince you to open up an attachment. Uh, we see it quite a bit. So yeah, it's, it's hard. I mean, there's not just one avenue or one specific human behavior that we're following, um, or that criminals are trying to take advantage of it's, it's across the human spectrum. Yeah. And it's really interesting because you would have the assumption maybe, or at least it'd be very logical to say, well, it's older people in the workforce who haven't been accustomed to this. And as we get more digital natives in, they'll get better at this, but it doesn't seem to be the case because we have a lot of digital natives who are in the workforce and that number still is alarmingly high. Oh, absolutely. I, I don't think this has anything to do with, um, and, and that was the story, right? That it was about tech savviness and that a lot of these people that never grew up with uh, computers or smartphones or what have you, they're the ones following for falling for this. And that's just not true. I mean, we see it across the board. It doesn't have to do with not understanding the technology. It's not really understanding how the scam works, how the scam is specifically targeting you. Um, and sometimes it's just a matter of... Uh, users not feeling that they have any skin in the game. They don't necessarily care about the computer they're behind if they don't own it. Um, if they're a temp at an organization and they're only going to be there for another month, they may not be too careful about the attachments that they open. Um, so th there's, again, a lot going on there with that. The demand has never been greater for business owners and IT professionals to invest in intelligent security camera systems. At the intersection of physical security and cybersecurity, an increasing number of organizations struggle to take a proactive approach to surveillance. Verkata's all-in-one physical security platform makes this decision easy with features like plug-and-play installation, centralized management, secure remote access to cameras, and smart features and alerts. Smarter security starts with Verkata. Learn more at vlcmtech.com slash Verkata. That's vlcmtech.com slash V-E-R-K-A-D-A. If you're looking for protection from uncontrolled access, Salto can deliver the perfect solution. 
tailored to your exact requirements to provide you with all the security, convenience, and control you need. With Salto, you install access control in a wire-free environment, so there's no need to hardwire the building. Because Salto works on a virtual network, you can enroll or replace a lost key within seconds, making reprogramming and rekeying a problem of the past. See how Salto can make your access control and building security simpler and safer at vlcmtech.com salto. That's vlcmtech.com s-a-l-t-o. So what should people look out for to identify a malicious HTML attachment in a phishing email? If they do suspect they have received a phishing email, what steps should they take to mitigate the impact of the attack? Just the very fact that they suspect an email of being a phishing email is, is that great first step, right? When you have those red flags pop up, follow those red flags. Um, don't just ignore them. Uh, typically, what, what I recommend when I'm discussing this problem with people is the first thing you need to ask yourself, were you expecting this email? Uh, was this something that you were actually expecting from the sender? Um, that's usually your your first big red flag that you need to need to find. If you weren't expecting the email, that should instantly be cause for concern to continue to look at it. Um, are there any typos in the email? Um, is there any awkward language? A lot of these scammers um, will be using English as a second language. And if they're targeting an English speaking victim, uh, the language may be a little bit clumsy. Um, that should also raise a red flag for you. Um, take a look at where the email is coming from. Um, the sender email address may be different than who the sender says they are in the email itself. Uh, so make sure that they match. Um, and at the end, if, if you weren't expecting it, and if some of these red flags are triggering, um, don't click on the link, don't open the attachment. Um, if you do know who you think you know who the sender is, talk to them out of band, um, text them, message them out of band to see, hey, did you just send this email? Because it looks kind of weird to me. Uh, a lot of times those would be enough to uh, prevent the opening of those attachments. In the end, if you're actually working for an organization with an IT team, if you have any concerns, if any of these red flags are uh, triggering, forward the email directly to your security team and see what they have to say. Yeah. Better safe than sorry is a nice way to put all that, right? Just if you've got any kind of red flag, better to check it out. Uh, but it's interesting if you're not sort of trained to look for the red flags, how easily they can slip past you and you can open something uh, before you've thought about it. Uh, Carl, Carl, how is um, obfuscation used in spammed HTML attachments and how does it make it more difficult to detect this kind of threat in an email gateway layer? Yeah, so one of the benefits of uh, email-based attachments is uh, HTML's ability to embed scripting code, right? Like JavaScript, Visual Basic script, although you don't see that much anymore. Um, and when you have a coding language, a scripting language that you can embed in the file itself, you can make that file do all kinds of things. Um, so there are a lot of these HTML attachments where the, the threat actor is using the attachment specifically because of that scripting element. However, if they have a, a JavaScript in the HTML that just says, download this ransomware from this server and install it, that code's very easy to spot, right? And our antivirus systems, our security controls should be able to spot that and rip that out. So the attackers are going to obfuscate that code. They're going to hide it in uh, various encoding methods, like maybe Base64, which is very popular, and, and makes it so that it's not human readable. 
And unless um, as the good guys, as the people that are setting up these security protections, if we don't know to decode base64 when we see it in JavaScript, and then after decoding it, look at it to see if it's maybe malicious, um, you know that that attack is going to pass us by and get into a victim's inbox. So obfuscation is a method of preventing the good guys from spotting the fact that you're trying to do something malicious. It lets them put their code in the shadows, if you will. Yeah. So looking ahead, how do you think this phishing method will develop in the years ahead? I know it's relatively difficult to predict how it's going to uh, how it's going to evolve, but what would you what would you say to that? It's it's not going away anytime soon. Um, you know, hackers, criminals, threat actors, even nation states have such a high success rate with phishing campaigns. Um, we see a, a back and forth uh, with trends constantly. I think we're seeing a a bigger focus on more spear phishing type campaigns. Um, where you know, in the past, a lot of these phishing campaigns were, were very wide net. They would just sort of throw this email out to as many email addresses as they possibly could and just see who clicks. You know, if they even get 2% click rate back on um, any of the emails that they send out, that could be enough of a, um, a success to make it a viable attack. What we're seeing now is that those wide net attacks get caught so quickly and get analyzed so quickly um, that they just don't work as well as they used to. So threat actors are taking the time to do some initial reconnaissance um, and craft their emails to target a specific organization. This is twofold. One, uh, by doing a little bit of reconnaissance ahead of time, maybe looking on LinkedIn to see what the org chart is for the organization or taking a look on some other social network to see what colleagues a specific um, a person might have or that you can use their names to get that trust. Um, not only will you be able to get better trust and probably better click-through rates, uh, you also don't have a wide net that could be detected by the good guys if you're only targeting one specific organization. Um, so we're going to see more of that. We're going to see a lot more carefully tuned campaigns in phishing. Um, but phishing is always going to be an issue and uh, will is pretty much here to stay. One of these days, I'll ask an expert what the uh, trend is going to be, and they'll say, it's going to go away. It's going to be fine, <laughs> but that hasn't happened yet. It's always some some form of well, it's going to get worse, <laughs> and I think that's uh, that's proven out uh, to be correct. Everyone's been prophetic in that sense, but still waiting for that good news, you know. Yeah, and it, it's true. It, it is going to get worse, but um, we're also getting better, right? We're, we're getting better at our security controls. We're getting better at the protections we could put in place, uh, which is why the bad actors have to constantly adjust their techniques. Um, because the old techniques, even though they may have the same effect, they aren't working the same way they used to. Um, and it's 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 a cat and mouse game. Now with um, technology constantly increasing, the ability of having machine learning um, is huge in this area where we can take billions of phishing emails and dump it into a machine learning engine that can uh, teach itself what to look for. Um, we're going to then see a lot of criminals that um, figure out how to bypass that sort of analysis by a machine learning engine. Um, it, it's going to be a constant cat and mouse game, but they're only getting better at what they're doing because we're getting better at stopping them. Um, so I think as long as we continue on that path, I, you know, I'm still optimistic about it. Yeah. Uh, for our audience uh, who may be interested in uh, following along more of your uh, information, more of your insight, where can they find uh, Trustwave Spider Labs? Where can they find you? Give us a, give us a plug. 
Sure. You can find me um, on, on Twitter, probably the best way to find me, um, at K Sigler. That's K-S-I-G-L-E-R. Um, I'm there. And of course, uh, if you go to trustwave.com and take a look at our resource section, uh, you will find our Spider Labs blog there. We try to uh, post one or two stories every single week based on the hard technical research that we're doing. Uh, that's where this HTML post came from as well. Um, so if you want to keep on top of the trends, definitely check out our blog. Okay. Uh, Carl Sigler from Trustwave Spider Labs, thanks so much for your time and sharing your expertise with our audience today. I appreciate your time, Mark. That'll do it for this episode. I want to thank our sponsors at Valcom. At Valcom, you get much more than a dedicated IT retailer. They become an extension of your IT team. Whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective and more productive. Check them out at vlcm.com. That's vlcm.com. Special thanks as well to our supporting partners, the Utah Division of Technology Services, the Kem C. Gardner Policy Institute, the Utah Attorney General's Office, the Utah Department of Public Safety, and our friends at Secuvant. A reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at Cyber24 underscore, or you can hit us up on Facebook as well. We want to hear from you in either place to let us know what you think, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on a future episode. You can also rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. We love those five-star ratings. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week and stay safe online.